us to redeem us because you know he wants to see us take part in the mission and share in his elation at the renewal of creation look into the day when we have Hello and welcome to the All Things in Common podcast. We are a podcast of conversations among friends on life, love, community, and the impact of the gospel. Each episode we will explore important topics of human flourishing or languishing and how the good news of redemption can shape our perspectives. My name is Wesley. And my name is Christopher. Hey, Wesley. Good to be here, man. Yeah, it is good to be here. And it's good to be here with you. It's good to be here with all of our listeners to talk about our new topic uh, on uh, like, share, subscribe. And that's not just about this being a podcast. Uh, <laughs> Although we do want you to like, share, and subscribe. We do. But we're actually talking about the work of ministry. In other words, um, sharing <laughs> the good news of Jesus with other people. That's right. It's important, Wes, that we kind of talk about this, mainly because, you know, when people are about to leave this earth, right, mm -hmm. typically the last thing they say is some of the most important things that they say. We see this with Moses' soliloquy at the end of his life, and even in our own lives, when people are on their deathbeds, right? You've heard of these deathbed confessions, uh, the thing that they just need to get off their chest uh, before they die. Well, before Jesus uh, was taken up in the clouds, the thing that he gave his church was da -da 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 -da, the Great Commission. Y'all know this already. This is like 101, right? Um, but what's in the Great Commission? He tells all of his followers, well, he tells the disciples, and then by extension us, um, that we are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? And so this is important to think about, like, how, what does this mean, and then how then do we live this out? Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start with that Great Commission, because as last week we were talking about the importance of working well, showing integrity in the work that we do, and it makes me actually, in this conversation, would make me think of this quote that is often attributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi, oh. but um, we cannot confirm that he said it, uh, which is... confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the quote goes, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Mm. Um, and I'm not personally actually a fan of that quote. Actually, if someone out there can, I, I challenge you now um, to tell me that Jesus died and rose again from the grave for your sins without using words. But the, the heart of that quote is do good and that good will point to God, right? And I think there's um, something to be said about those who walk in the light, right? The, the, those who do good, those who are light in the world, as we are, a, we are the light of the world, as, as Jesus says then our works will shine forth with the glory of God. And I think those works that we do can point to the goodness of God if mm -hmm. we are actively pointing mm -hmm. to God in the process. Mm -hmm. um, because all my good deeds do mm -hmm. is point to where I am and where I have my values. Mm -hmm. um, and those values have a core, have a root. And that root is the root of Jesse. <laughs> that root is Jesus, the branch that we have been grafted into, and it has to be known, this is Jesus that is doing this. Yeah, that's interesting, because it's like, you know, you hold, I think, you hold two things uh, together. On the one hand, you want to say that all good 
um, is God. Things that are truly good, right? Sure. Uh, uh, point to God. And at the same time, um, we all just kind of what you're alluding to, um, you know, we know that all of our um, works, right, that are outside of Christ are filthy rags. And I won't get into the Greek on what the, you know, <laughs> the Greek right, right. Um, but so, so there is a sense in which outside of, you know, and here's kind of the thing too, I think particularly when we're raising up um, children and new believers, I think we sometimes um, want to paint the picture of non-believers um, as these, you know, demon possessed, you know, amoral, you know, whatever. There can be a lot of people who are not believers who are moral. You can make good moral decisions. Um, you know, atheists know right from wrong. Um, but my challenge is, how do you know right from wrong? Because if you don't have a standard of what right and wrong is, then anything could be right or wrong. And so for us, digging down kind of into this topic, we really want to kind of figure out what does it look like to lead a fully orbed life, right? Uh, a life that's both doing works and speaking, right? Word yeah. and deed. Yeah, I think that's good. I think word and deed are an important part of that because going back to the Great Commission, as you had brought up, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Mm -hmm. The deed aspect of it is still part of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think also in Romans, Paul saying like that, you know, God has forgiven us our sin, and the the grace that He shows us is is greater because of how much of our sin is there. Like that's mm -hmm. a really rough mm -hmm. paraphrase, I think. But then he says, so what? What then? Should we sin all the more that grace may abound? No, <laughs> like by no, by no means, no way. That is not how we should do it. But we don't start with doing good things. We don't start with good works. We start with who is Jesus? What has God done? And that has to come through the work of ministry, which is not the same thing as good works. Yeah, no, uh, th that's actually right. I mean, and so for us, you know, I think there's a couple of different ways in which we come at this thing, right? So first of all, what are good works and what does it mean to, you know, proclaim the gospel? What does it mean to talk about the gospel? What does it mean to live a, a gospel life? What does it mean, Wesley, to be a person who is ordained by God, recognized by the church, blessed by the church for special functions? And what does it mean to be a person who is not, um, but still blessed by God to do certain things, have certain yeah. bosoms? Yeah. And that's a question that I think is really prevalent because I think a lot of times when we're thinking of ministry and what ministry is, we think that the ordained people, right? the ones who are pastors, shepherds of the flock. Those are the ones that do the ministry. Right. And the ones in the congregations are the ones that do the good deeds, that do the service, the care for the poor, the, you know, all those things. So mm -hmm. I do think what is ministry? What does it look like? How do we live out the Great Commission, right? Practically as a church has to be looked into a little more deeply than just a sort of dichotomy of here are the people that do ministry, here are the people that do service. Okay. Um, Ephesians 4 says there are those set aside as prophets, as teachers, as evangelists, as apostles. And why are they set aside, right? These being the ordained, the ones called to that like specific ministry vocation, why are they set aside? 
they are called and set aside to equip the saints for ministry. The idea is that the saints, the congregation, the people, the church, the body of Christ are the ones doing ministry. Mm -hmm. And the role of those called to serve in what we would call ministry today, their ministry is actually preparing those to do ministry who they have been set in charge of. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And a part of this um, harkens back to a former episode. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, uh, but when we were talking about what does it mean to be a Christian at work, Mm -hmm. right? What does it mean that, you know, um, I share my love of Jesus in the marketplace. Uh, and so for those who are called to ordain ministry, which essentially means being set apart, right? Like you're set apart for this particular function. Um, when you're in that kind of a role, how then do you go about equipping the saints, right? And how do, you know, the saints of God receive that so that they actually are the ones uh, who ministering? Because quite frankly, like you were saying, in many of um, you know our churches, churches all around the globe, essentially, a lot of people have this this nasty clerical bug, right? Or the bug of clericalism is actually what I wanted to say. And by that, I mean, first of all, and it's on two parts. On one part, you see in some parts of the church where people see this as a job to ascend. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want to go to different notches, you know, right. whatever reason. Uh, then on the other side, you see uh, the saints taking a back seat to ministry and not rightfully claiming uh, the ministry that the Lord has like set before them. Yeah, I think when we talk about clericalism or clergy people holding this higher honor, I've always um, heard it explained as an upside down hierarchy, like an upside down pyramid, where in the world you're trying to get to the top, you're trying to get to the to the, the one in charge. But in the church, it's it's flipped upside down, right? The greatest will be the one who serves, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to be the greatest, you must be the least. Funny enough, Wesley, not to cut you off, but my spiritual director talks about this. He said, you know, if the bishop is the servant of all and he's the lowest on the totem pole, why am I so scared every time he calls? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, in part because by being a servant, they are also called to, like, clean you up if you you need cleaning, right? Um. And in the church, what that means is calling us out when we aren't serving in the capacity that we we should be serving and being well guided and challenged in that way. And I think, again, it comes to power structure. When I think of challenging somebody or rebuking is the like the Christian way of saying it, right? When I think of rebuking another person, it feels like a power dynamic shift, right? The one who's doing the rebuking is put above the one who is being rebuked. And I think that comes from our understanding of power itself, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we're talking about doing the work of ministry, it's not just about, I mean, it is about preaching the gospel. That is the center of it. But in sharing the gospel, it's about evening out or balancing back the way it should be those power structures that we have in the world. Jesus who has all authority in heaven and earth given to him by his father, right? Lowered himself, taking on the appearance of humans and the nature of a servant and became obedient to death on a cross, right? That's the power structure that Jesus has because he not only is rebuking, but also he goes to his death for the sake of our sin. 
like to wipe away our sin, to cleanse us of that sin. And mm-hmm. so it has to be understood in that confrontation or in the um, rebuking, as we would have it, it has to come with that servant mindset. Mm-hmm. And so the work of ministry is actually on top of being sharing the gospel. It's about resetting our our minds, renewing our minds, mm-hmm. as Paul would write in Romans, right? To be such that we are not asserting ourselves with power over another person when we share these things. Because part of the gospel is you're a sinner. Repent and be baptized. Like that is part of the good news. And that the way that is received is when it's received with a love that lays down its life for the one that it loves. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and it for some of our more liturgical brethren and sistrand, uh, if that's a word, Wesley, you're going to have to like carry a dictionary around, I think. No, I, I prefer it this way, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm just going to make up words. Hey, you were right on Integris. <laughs> Listen, I've read a book or two. I'm just saying. You know, for some of our more liturgical brethren um, and sistren, there's also this idea of the sacraments, right? And church authority. And so for the Christian leader, it's not that you uh, will have, you know, authority given by the church to lord it over anybody, because that's an abuse of that power. In terms of a sacramental way, of looking at, you know, ministry, the church has, you know, God through the church has invested um, these leaders with uh, authority to help guide and guard the sheep and help usher them into communion with God. Yeah, yeah. I do think um, having a good sacramental understanding of the church, sacramental, um, so when we talk about the sacrament in most Protestant churches, uh, the well, in Protestant churches, uh, the sacraments are understood as baptism and communion, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, um, well, as the main two. In some Protestant churches, Wesley, they wouldn't say sacraments. They say ordinances. Okay, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> sacraments or ordinances. Dominical, <laughs> meaning from the Lord. These are the two main uh, ways that we receive grace. They're the ways that Christ has given us to receive grace. And so, by baptism... Uh, we are brought into the family of God, brought into the church by going down, joining him in his death and being risen again with him in his new life. It's and then, Roman <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then with uh, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, as we like to call it in the Anglican Church, the Eucharist is, a, is taking part in his sacrifice in the body and blood, the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, the cup of the new um, the new commandment, the New Testament of himself. And by doing that, we are then renewed in his life and understanding the grace that that is to receive both of those things passively is the thing which strengthens us, is the thing which empowers us. And I think as an ordained person, celebrating those practices, those sacramental graces, to know that you also must be fully reliant on his grace to be able to perform those acts because you are have you have no control actually over the conference of grace you as an ordained person have actually like no control over how that grace is given to the people that you are serving in those sacraments that's right on that's right on uh because um you know it's such a great vision of 
of, and we're not going to get into sacramental theology, I don't think, but it's a great vision of like what God does mm-hmm. and how we don't do things. Like we can, the only thing we can do is receive it. Yeah. It's God who does it. And, you know, interestingly enough, Wesley, me just thinking about this, about, um, you know, the ordained uh, clergyman, you know, guarding the flock, you know, along with the sacraments, mm-hmm. I begin to think about like First uh, uh, Corinthians 11, where Paul says, like, listen, if you drink the Lord's cup and eat the Lord's body in an unworthy manner, man, you're going to be guilty mm-hmm. concerning his body and his blood. Yeah. And so um, this is a this is a real now, you know, again, I'm not going to you know go into how, you know, a Baptist would see it or Rumka or whatever. But I think we can all agree that there's something going on where we don't want to be a position we don't want to be in. And a part of the the role of the minister, the priest, is to make sure that he protects his flock against things like that. Um, same thing uh, with baptism. Even if you would take a less sacramental view of baptism, by you going down under that water, um, and if you're not a believer, guess what you're doing? You're lying. <laughs> because you're saying that you're being united with Christ when you don't actually... So uh, for the ministry, for an ordained uh, person, um, it is it it, it looks different in some ways, um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that, oh, this job is more important or that job is more important. Because guess what? We're all members uh, of the same body and we each have our own functions. Yeah. And ultimately, understanding how the role of the clergy person, the minister in the church interacts with the congregations of the church help us understand how we as the priest royal priesthood of believers interact with the world we like as much as the baptism and uh lord's supper are sacraments of grace to us we ourselves being cleansed by those things are sacraments to the world we are as we take the body of christ through the eucharist we are the body of christ in the world And so understanding how the grace that we receive is done so in the church through the ministry of the clergy by grace, then we can go out into the world by grace being that same presence. And that presence must be communicated. Like you were saying, like you have to understand what is baptism and what is the Eucharist in order to receive it in a worthy manner. In the same way, it must be understood when others are receiving us, what is being received is the presence of Christ, <laughs> is the spirit that, that dwells in us to be amongst them. Yeah. And, you know, uh, this idea of a heart that's bent towards repentance, mm. about turning away from ourselves and turning towards God. Because the thing is this, you know, the Bible says um, if you say that you're without sin, guess what the Bible calls you? A liar. Um, and so all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have missed a mark. All of us have made mistakes. Some of us, uh, are, all of us have done things that we intentionally knew that we were going against God's will, yep. right? There's a difference, however, and this is something that like, I like to bring up often because um, oftentimes I don't think that uh, non-believers quite understand this concept because they say, oh, well, Christians sin too. Absolutely, Christians do. Yeah. The difference between um, a, a Christian sinning 
uh, or a Christian who commits a sin uh, and a a non-believer is that there is something that's on the inside of the Christian, the Holy Spirit, that can that 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 challenges that some people say convicts that person um, of that sin. And I'm not going to get into theology about okay, is the, the Holy Spirit convicting the world? Is it convicting believe? Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> I just feel like Wesley. The problem with going to to, um, to uh, seminary to Bible school or whatever yeah. is that you just want to part. You want to make you want to be so clear and precise with your words. <laughs> Well, because you right. know that there's somebody waiting just to like yoink on you. Um, but uh, yeah, and so the difference is that um, there's a bent towards, uh, there's, a, there's a, a spirit that resides in you, a heavenly spirit uh, that is your conscience and gives you the grace to turn away from the foolishness and turn back to God, right? Uh, and be able to recognize um, good for good, evil for evil, and then turn away, uh, whereas the world won't. Yeah, and I do think, and that kind of goes back to your um, one of the early points you made about there are non-believers, there are atheists out there that do morally good things, like that act morally good in a lot of ways. And I think part of this conversation is understanding not just the why, behind the good, but also understanding the, the the value of humility, of repentance, owning up to your own, and repenting of, turning away from your own selfish ambitions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being willing to do something that, by all accounts, is not for your better, right? I think that we, as Christians, are called to consider that maybe, like, this life isn't worth it. <laughs> you know, like in terms of Paul, again, in First uh, Corinthians, if if he didn't rise again from the dead, we're the first to be pitied because the things that we're doing is casting aside the things that we want for the sake of others and for the sake of God, like understanding that there are, there are things out there that are more valuable than our own selves and our own betterment and our own desires the things that make us want are secondary to the good which is self-sacrifice for the sake of bringing another to christ for the sake of bringing another to god well man i mean wesley that's just like a great segue into thinking about how do we live this out Mm -hmm. um, in real life um and i think you just kind of mentioned one of the ways already which is just this idea of helping to uh usher in, if you will, uh, a new son or daughter into the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And there are plenty of ways to do this. And, you know, you can just do an internet search about that. That's yeah. that's, that's um, uh, easy, but the, or simple, I should say, uh, but sometimes it's not easy, right? Because what tends to happen for some of us is uh, we get in our own ways, we overthink it, um, you know, we don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed. And some of us, others of us, you know, we're raring to go, but we don't know how to. Right. See, that's where I think the the ordained clergy person that spent some time, um, you know, studying this stuff, right? Spent some time thinking about this stuff um, should be able to lead and guide um, his flock mm-hmm. in these matters. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the first way the ordained clergy person does that is by making sure their flock knows the gospel. Say that. We have to know 
what the message is that we're bringing. We have to know what, like, why is, we say good news. What does that even mean? What is the good news? What's the story that we have been told that makes giving up everything else worth it? What's that pearl of great price? What does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to know the love of God? What does it mean to know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? What do these things mean? And how can I articulate that? Like, is it like to own up to having a personal faith? Mm-hmm. is to also know how to articulate that personal faith, to That's speak right. it. That's right. If not That's for the right. sake of others, so that you can remind yourself what you're That's doing. Right. Hands down. Well, okay, so now you're going into the, like the second thing, I think, or the third thing, whatever we're up to. Yeah. One of three things, and I lost count already, which is like knowing your own story and what God has been doing in your own life. Right. And I think this was from uh, the book Walk Across the Room, uh, where it's a simple matter of and everybody has a different story. And you don't have to be like sometimes people think because they don't have a dramatic testimony. Oh, I was you know strung out on the streets. So I was doing that. That's not necessary because God uh, can use your story mm-hmm. right from where you are and how God brought you from this one place to new life in him. Because sometimes you can be out in the suburbs in a nice house with a nice car and nice jobs and 2.5 kids. Don't ask me where the half kid came from and a dog and all that kind of stuff. But then be living a life of shame. You'd be living a life um, of, of fear. You'd be living a life of sadness and depression. Like there are all kinds of ways in which God can use our stories for the good. And even some of the most embarrassing stories, God can use those, right? Um, you know, I won't get into other people's stories, but man, like some people have had some stories of some like serious failures, but man, after speaking with them, you don't know how my faith was encouraged by them because it's like, man, God brought them out of some things that we sometimes think God can't do, but the Lord did it. Yeah, definitely. And it, it is amazing how many times those those boring stories make the biggest difference in other people's lives. Okay. Um, I, it's just, and we always, you know, I feel like we're always a little embarrassed of our own stories because we see others and we always get into comparisons. That's the other thing we need to avoid. There's no use in comparing. Like, your story is your story. You mean comparing your everyday life to everybody else's highlight reel on social? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um. But yeah, and I think, um, which I guess kind of goes to, um, I guess the next thing that I just want to add to this, which is knowing yourself, knowing your story, knowing the story of Jesus, knowing your own story, but also knowing the story of others, right? It's all about knowing the stories, right? We know the story of God. We know our own story with God. And what is the story of those around you? Like, That's right. What part of the gospel like, is, the, is the sticking point? Jesus met many people and the way he shared with each of them is different because he knows them intimately. He knows what they need and he can meet them where they are. That's exactly right. That's great. Mm -hmm. We just solved the world's problems. Once again. (laughs) All things in common. All things in common. Solving the world's problems one episode at a time. 2021. That's right. Speaking of humility. (laughs) What do you mean? Pat, pat, ding, ding. Um, Well, uh, thank you for this conversation. Why don't you uh, close us out in prayer? 
Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. God, we thank you, God. We love you. We worship your holy name. Lord, I ask that everyone who would um, hear this uh, podcast, Lord, uh, on any of the platforms, Lord, or would see it on uh, YouTube, Lord, I ask that um, they would be touched in a mighty way, Lord God, that they would be emboldened uh, more with your gospel, Lord, that they would be equipped with your gospel, Lord, that they would understand their roles better, Lord, uh, in your body. God, I ask that um, you would protect um, your people, Lord, protect our minds, our hearts, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would lead us and guide us, Lord, that you would uh, give us divine appointments, Lord God. Lord, that you would empower us by your precious Holy Spirit uh, to usher in more sons and daughters into the kingdom. We thank you, God. We praise you. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord. We ask that you do it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And as our title suggests, please like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> I like how you are. Aha! Aha! That's... <laughs> um, also, I noticed Apple Podcast has a one to five star rating system as well as the uh, write a review option. If you are listening and uh, feel a little you know antsy about listening to this and not being able to do anything about it <laughs> give mm -hmm. us a rating give us a review and let us know what you really think about us yeah. all other comments suggestions questions etc can be sent to all things in common podcast at gmail.com and until next week uh we will talk to you later all right now <laughs> <laughs>